The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man from his birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night comes when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He said, I am the man. They said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? There was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you too want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is a marvel. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does well, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. The Gospel of the Lord. This is another one of uh, St. John's long accounts of healing. So we see it in his Gospels that he goes into great depth in, uh, in relating to us Christ's interactions with certain individuals. He chooses, of all the miracles that he could have chosen out of Christ's life, he chooses very specific miracles in order to communicate very deep truths to us about Christ, about salvation, and about uh, the spiritual life. What's interesting is that in the tradition of the church says that this man who was born blind, his name, as far as I remember, was uh, Saint Sidonius. So he later became a saint in the church. He ended up in uh, southern France. Um, I was privileged to be present when they actually rediscovered his relics after they had been hidden uh, when you had the separation of uh, the kind of the church and state in France and when they were uh, going in and taking all of the holy things out of churches. And so what they did is they sealed up his relics and they hid them and they were rediscovered with all of the documents. Um, and then uh, I was also privileged to witness several miracles of people praying uh, with the relics, uh, receiving their sight again. And so there was one man I remember well. It was a very beautiful moment. He had had from childhood a degenerative disease in his eyes where he had eventually become completely blind. And then what happened was is that he had since been married, but he had never seen the face of his wife. And so all he wanted was to see his wife's face. And so he went and he, we were there for this, and he prayed at the relics and he turned around and for about five seconds, he says he was given just a glimpse of her face. He was able to look at her and you could see him looking at her uh, and he just kind of took her face in and then his sight was taken from him, but he was completely content. And so he had now this image of the face of his wife in his mind. Um, and it was a very beautiful and profound moment. There was another man as well um, who had had a surgery, and the surgery had been, uh, there was a kind of, uh, the, the doctors had made a mistake, and they had ended up severing, um, I think, I can't remember what exactly it was in the eye that had been severed, uh, and was irreversible. And he prayed with the relics, and uh, 
woke up the next morning seeing fine. And so, again, it was very profound and powerful. I think that the Lord just gave an outpouring of many miracles at the rediscovery of the relics. Um, and I remember after that time then kind of going and looking at this scene in the gospel with renewed interest after having seen all of this, this beautiful grace that poured out um, from this saint. So that comes to us from the tradition of the church. But the scene is also very profound with relationship to what Christ does in terms of as he comes into the world as light, as light. And so when you look at creation in the book of Genesis, you can see that the first thing that happens is let there be light. All of the other works of God's creation are worked first in light, meaning that they can be seen and perceived, and so that we can know them, that we can perceive them. And also when he recreates, he does the same thing. He simply sends Christ, his Son, who is the light of the world. He is that beginning of that recreation, that new creation of the creatures of God that have fallen through sin. Now the light of God himself comes to earth, he is incarnate, and as that light, he now walks upon the face of the earth. And so what happens is that you have in the beginning of this scene a conversation about sin, which is important, because as it also then ends up at the end, we can see that the Lord again closes the whole scene by speaking about sin. And so there is all of this interplay between natural sight, but also spiritual sight, between natural darkness and light and spiritual darkness and light. And it kind of flows in and out between those two things. As we see Christ reveals through a tangible and sensible miracle, he reveals things that we cannot see without him revealing them. He reveals truths about the spiritual life. In him we see the Father. That is the mystery and the beauty of the incarnation, is that just as light makes things visible, so now Christ, as the light, he makes what was previously unseen to us seen. In him we see the Father. In him we see the truth of God. In him we hear God speaking to us. And so he is truly this light that manifests what we could not see. He reveals to us the beauty of the Father and all of the things that are necessary in terms of our arrival at the Father in eternal life. And he bestows upon us that grace of healing. So you have this whole conversation of sin and then you come across this, this blind man. And this blind man is the one that sparks that conversation. And the Lord says that he has not, again, he is blind, so that the works of God may be made manifest in him. As we were saying yesterday, is that it is necessary for us to know what we love. And so we must come to know God more deeply, that we can love him more truly. But it is through the actions and the preaching and the mystery of Christ that we come to know God. His miracles and works enlighten our minds inasmuch as we turn our minds to them to be enlightened. But you can see throughout this scene is that there are, again, those who will open their eyes to actually see Christ and those who decide to willfully remain blind. And it doesn't matter how many times they receive the same testimony, their hearts are hardened. They actually do not want to know the truth. They have already decided that Christ is not from God, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says to them, they will not open their hearts to receive that. They will not believe the miracles. They will not believe the testimony. They will not believe their own eyes. And so their hearts are so closed in this darkness that they have made themselves willfully blind. 
And so you have these two types of souls that are kind of juxtaposed in this scene very powerfully, is that as this one man receives again his sight, you can see the scribes and Pharisees slowly having their spiritual sight darkened out. And so as the one comes to sight, the others move and choose blindness. And so the Lord then comes to this man, and he sees him, and he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says, we must work while it is day. Work while it is day. When we mark out what day is, it's simply when the sun is present. When the sun is absent, it is night. And so Christ, who is the sun, when he is present on earth, the works of God are done. And the Lord remains present on earth. He is here with us, the light of the world, and it is in his light that we are called to work, to live, and to be sanctified. But it is also profound for us is that while it is day, the works of God are done. And so also for us, when we want the works of God to be done in us, well, simply come where the light is. Be in the presence of the light, and while it is day, the works of God are done. Simply to sit in the presence of Christ is a sanctifying action upon our souls. Simply to sit in his presence, it then allows, allows those works of the day to be done in us. Simply to be with the light means that we are enlightened. And then what he does is a really interesting way in which he heals. Sometimes the Lord speaks, sometimes he touches someone in order to heal them, sometimes he does it from right up close, sometimes he does it from far away. All the ways in which he heals speak to us of the truths of the mystery of God. Here he chooses a very interesting way to heal. He spits on the ground. He spits on the ground and then he makes clay. And then he takes this clay and he pastes it onto this man's eyes. And then that's not enough. He sends him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so what you have is, as we've been tying this back to the original works of creation, which is that all of these creations that were done in the light of day, if you will. So also when God makes man, he makes him from the clay of the earth. And so the miracles of Christ are always telling us of God. He always works in the same way. And so Christ, who is about to recreate, he takes elements of the first creation, namely that clay from which we are made, and then he takes elements of the recreation, which is the waters of baptism through which we are cleansed and sanctified. And in this beautiful miracle, he pulls them both together. He pulls together the clay and the water, the works of the first creation and the works of recreation. And in these two signs, he then heals the blindness in this man, representing what he will do in a spiritual sense as he heals us and recreates us through the sacraments of the church and washes us clean and cleanses us as we receive through the sacraments of the church the graces that come to us through the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ, the paschal mystery that we are preparing ourselves even more intensely now to celebrate as we look towards the end of Lent and in towards Easter. And so this beautiful mystery of the way in which Christ heals, the way in which he works his miracles, they always have intention, order, and deep revelation behind them. He does nothing haphazardly. Everything that Christ does has been intended from all eternity as God. 
Everything, as St. Thomas says, is for our instruction. Every detail manifests to us another beautiful layer of the mysteries of God and the depths of his love and his grace and his goodness. After this man is healed, you can see it sparks a discussion about Christ. And this is because he is the fundamental element. He is the central, now hinge point, if you will, of all of the universe, all of creation, all of time and space, is now present in the incarnation. And so rightly, the discussion comes back down to Christ. And this is that fundamental debate that then goes on. Is he who he says he is or not? And if our eyes are opened and we are open to the light, we can perceive quite easily that he is who he says he is because we believe the testimony that comes to us through the scriptures. That is not an irrational thing to do. It's more irrational to doubt them. They've been believed by great saints and many throughout the histories, throughout history, throughout generations, handed on to us with great care in order to give to us access to the mystery of the person of Jesus Christ. And as we read the gospels, we believe their testimony. As we hear the church that Christ has established proclaim mysteries about Christ, we believe them because of the authority with which the church speaks. And through these mysteries, we come to know the one who is that hinge point of our salvation, Christ himself, the one upon whom everything hangs, our salvation, our healing. And so we open our hearts in this season of Lent that we might hear more clearly and see with greater perception and understanding. We purify our interior so that we might perceive more clearly with our interior and that we pray that our, we will not willfully close our eyes to Christ but always remain open to the light that he is, to be illumined by him, to be sanctified by him, to be saved and healed by him. Amen.